This is How Shall They Hear, a production of New Testament Christian Church of Renton, Washington. We hold services every Sunday morning at 1030 at 13470 Martin Luther King Jr. Way South, Renton, Washington, 98178. You can reach us by email at ntccrenton at gmail.com. Matthew chapter 27, and we'll start in verse 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would, and they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded in the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then? with Jesus, which is called Christ. They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And I want to take our text this morning from the 22nd verse. There, Matthew 27, Matthew 27, verse 22. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? Christ. We've already prayed, but let's look to the Lord right now. One more time, let's pray for a new year as we enter it. Lord, we thank you for this new year, Lord God. We thank you for this new opportunity, Lord God. We thank you for this past year, Lord God. And Lord, we look to you, Lord. And that's the key, is that we look towards you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Lord God who provides us daily with benefits. And Lord, we ask you right now to bless this message in Christ's name. We have entered into a new year. And with that, the New Year's resolutions come forth. There is nothing wrong with looking at the new year in terms of an opportunity for a restart. Looking at one's achievements and failures and making a plan to move forward is wise. Now, many say that 2020 was a horrible year. I even heard one person say it was the worst year in human history. They obviously don't know about 1939 and 1940 and 1941, all the way to 1944 during the uh, World War and the Holocaust. I think that was a little bit worse than 2020, my opinion. Many say 2020 was a horrible year, but you know what? For those who kept their focus on God... Rather than on the doings of man, 
2020, like every year, was a blessing. And as I can testify, we were blessed wonderfully in 2020. And we faced the same oppositions everybody else faced. But God came through. God preserved. He preserved his church. He preserved our employment. He preserved our dwelling place. He even upgraded our dwelling place. He moved in such wonderful ways that 2020, I could say, really was one of the best years in God that I have been a part in. Besides the year that I got saved, the year I got filled with the Holy Ghost baptism, the year, you know, every year it's just good in God. Praise Him. Many wonderful things came out of 2020 for those who serve God, love God, and let God guide them through it all. Because of church closures, many churches had to adapt to live streaming and podcast services, which has allowed the gospel to reach millions of people who did not have access to the gospel before. Places such as Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, China, and many more. Once again, what Satan had attempted to cause havoc among mankind, God turned it around and used it for his glory. And that was just a little prelude about the new year in the old year. 2020 was a success for God. Amen. It was a success for the gospel. Many, women, many men and women got saved. Amen. God dealt with people's hearts. And what happened in 2020 will shape 2021 for his kingdom. Our Bible reading shows us of when Jesus, after having been arrested, was brought before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of the region of Judea. After asking Jesus a few questions and knowing that the only reason he was delivered unto him was because of envy, there in verse 18 tells us that, Pilate sought to release Jesus knowing he had done no wrong. After releasing another prisoner whom people selected, Pilate was left there with Jesus. But here in the 22nd verse, a question is asked. It is a question that we all must ask going into this new year. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? Right. That's the title of our message. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Not everybody has heard the name of Jesus. Literally. And I'm not talking about figuratively. There are many people who have never heard of Jesus Christ in this world. Many people have never heard of Jesus. But America is much different. America is much different. See, here in Luke, if we go to Luke, Luke gives us an account of Jesus' trial also. It does not contradict what is read there in Matthew. It just gives us a little bit more detail. Luke 23 6 says, When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. So first Jesus was brought before Pilate, and then they took him to Herod. But he would be brought back to Pilate, which is where you see in that uh, our Bible reading, which is actually the second time that Jesus was brought to Pilate. 
And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, which means he wanted to, he had wanted to see Jesus for a long time, because he had heard many things of him, and he had hoped to have seen a miracle done by him. So Herod had heard about Jesus. The people in Judea, in Israel, had heard about Jesus. Jesus had walked amongst them for three years, causing all sorts of wonderful miracles to happen, causing all sorts of devils to flee. The Bible tells us that multitudes followed Jesus from town to town. And right before Jesus arrived here in Jerusalem, before his crucifixion, men and women met him at the entry, at the gate of the city, and they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus was not some unknown figure. People knew of Jesus. They knew of the Lord Almighty himself. And even today, men and women know of Jesus. Yes. People have heard of Jesus. We just went through a holiday where there are dozens of songs which speak specifically of him. That's why I like those songs. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Uh, joy to the world. All those things speak of Jesus. You know, I, can't, I start to laugh now when you invite people to church and they say, oh, you know what? I'm looking for a church. But I doubt that. I doubt when they say that. Because how many churches do they drive past every day? If they were really looking for a church, they would have found one by now. They would have found one. Or at least, at least they could say, is, you know, I've been going to several churches. I just haven't found, quote, unquote, the right one. And yes, you do have to, quote, unquote, find the right church. You don't want to go into a church that does not preach the truth. You want to go to the right house of God. You want to find a church that is Holy Ghost led. That the men and women come to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Where the gospel is preached in truth. But a lot of people say that, oh, you know, I'm looking for a church. How many do you drive past every day? Right. There are churches on every street corner. So nobody in America has any excuse. Right. They don't have any excuse to say, God, I didn't know. And they don't have an excuse to say, God, I never had the opportunity. Now, like I said, many countries have never heard of the name Jesus we understand that there's Muslim countries that outlaw that. There's uh, churches in Asia or uh, countries in Asia that that's outlawed. They've never heard the name of Jesus. There's those indigenous tribes in the rainforest that have never heard Jesus. But if they have not heard Jesus by name, they have definitely heard the word God. Or even have seen God's handiwork with their own eyes. Romans 1 and 20 talks about this. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, that's the Father, that's the Son, that's the Holy Ghost, so they are without excuse. So nobody on this earth can say that they never had an opportunity. Right. Nobody on earth, whether it's an indigenous tribe, whether it's a country where Christianity is outlawed, nobody has an excuse to say, God, I had no idea. Because right. he says, just everything around you is a testimony of God's handiwork. 
Psalm 19 and 1, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. David's saying, I just got to look up into the sky and know that there's a God. I just got to look up a little bit higher into that vast openness and see the stars, see the sun, see the moon, see the clouds, and know that there is a God. Right. In other words, just look around. Look at our ecosystem. How precious it is. There's a reason why they tell you when you fly overseas, don't be bringing any other plants from overseas. Don't be bringing over any bugs. Don't be bringing over any animals because of how precious the ecosystem is. How one insect introduced into an ecosystem can throw it off, throw the entire balance off. I remember watching an awesome documentary about uh, uh, Yellowstone and how the deer were tearing up the entire forest. The deer were eating all the, the plants and the trees. And because of that, the plants were dying and the insects were going away. Because the insects were going away, the birds stopped coming. Because the birds stopped coming, the, things were, the trees were... Uh, serving its purpose, and everything started to fall apart in the ecosystem. So what they did was they released a bunch of wolves into Yellowstone. The wolves scared the deer away. Put the, the deer moved off to a different part. Because now the deer are away, the grass can grow again, the, the plants, the bark on the trees. Now that the bark on the trees are gone, now the insects can return. The insects return, now the birds can come back. And so on and so on to the point that even the, the trees started regrowing. And because they started regrowing, it changed the shape of a river that cuts through Yellowstone. Because the river became widened, now the salmon can return. All because of a pack of wolves. That's just telling you how creative our ecosystem is. It could not have just happened. Look at the human body, the circulatory system, the very fact that your heart beats without you commanding it is a testimony of God's handiwork. Your mind, you know, they say, well, the Big Bang Theory, a mankind were born from an amoeba, turned into a, a fish, and a monkey, and then a mankind. But what about our emotion? What about the emotion of mankind, our thought process? The greatest computer is the human mind. Right. You're telling me that's through evolution, intelligence, emotion? No, God created all of that. Everything fits together too perfectly for all of this to have just been random. The Bible tells us God created it all. Right. And chances are, if you're listening to my voice this morning... You have heard of Jesus. But if not, let me answer some questions you may have. What makes this Jesus so famous? And why must I ask him into my life? What makes Jesus famous? And why must I ask him into my life? First of all, Jesus is the Son of God. Right. That's why he's so famous. Matthew 3 and 13, then Jesus... Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, 
and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh to us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So if you have any doubt that Jesus is the Son of God, just read that verse. Matthew 3 and 13 through 17. His mission, John 3, 16, gives us an excellent part of the mission of Jesus. An insight. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the... That but that the world through him might be saved. Luke 4.18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, just as Jesus reading scripture about himself, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of the sight and blind, and to set liberty to them that are bruised. That is the mission of Jesus. But I like here, verse 4.19 there in Luke, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. First John 3 and 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil. The devil sinneth from the beginning for the purpose, the Son of God. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to heal us. Jesus came to reverse the works of the devil. That was the mission of Jesus. So why is he so famous? He's the son of God and he came to save us. Praise him. Praise him this morning. Mankind was in trouble. Sin had taken hold. Mankind was dying and on its way to hell. We needed a savior. Someone to pay the price for our rebellion and our wickedness. We needed it. We didn't want it. We needed it. There's a difference between a want and a need. And men and women need Jesus today. They needed him yesterday. And they may not have accepted him yesterday, but they need to accept him today. And we need to tell men and women about him. Someone had to pay the price. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. To answer the question of why this Jesus guy is so famous and why we are being asked to come to church and asked to give him our lives, it's easy. He is the Son of God. He was sent down to die in order to pay the price for our sin so that we can be set free from sin so we don't have to go to hell. If you want a gospel message in a nutshell, it's that. Pilate asked a question. Everyone in a civilized and modern society, as I said, has heard of Jesus. This includes past and present presidents, CEOs, athletes, celebrities, billionaires, millionaires, and everyone else from the top of the top to the lowest of the low. So as we go into this new year, the same question Pilate asks is relevant today. What will you do then with this Jesus, whom is called Christ. 
Bill Gates has to answer that question. He has heard of Jesus. The president has heard of Jesus. What will he do with what he has heard? Your boss, your co-workers, your family members, we have all heard of Jesus. What will they do with him? As a preacher, pastor, or soul winner, all we can do is tell people about Jesus. Right. That's all we can do is tell people about Jesus, help and guide them when they've made a decision. But the most important thing is to tell people about Jesus. And mankind is, is in sin as we were, as were we. And God doesn't force salvation on people. If he did, it wouldn't be salvation. God doesn't choose ahead of time who gets saved and who doesn't, as many uh, denominations believe. It is up to the person, after hearing about the love, mercy, and grace of Jesus, to decide whether to give their life to him. I cannot speak for somebody else about their relationship with God. I can't. I don't know. You know, the Bible says you'll know them by their fruits. But a lot of people can produce a lot of false fruits. It's like those, that fake fruit basket you see on people's uh, dinner tables. The centerpieces. It looks good. It looks real from a, from a distance. But when you get up close, there's been times when I thought somebody was not following God. But they turned out to be more fire for God than I was. So I don't know. I can't speak for other people. All I can do is speak for myself. I can make assumptions, but I really don't know the grace that God is working in that person's life. I can just testify about what Jesus has done in my life. And I was presented with Jesus many years ago. I had heard of him growing up. And I had to make a choice. What would I do with Jesus? I was sitting in service one day. This was after I would gotten saved. I was in seminary. And God was moving. And he was having a wonderful service. And people were up at the front. And they were dancing and shouting. And the preacher was singing. And going, you know, they were just having a great time in God. The spirit was moving. But I was sitting there in the, in the pew. It's kind of in this bad rut. This bad mood. This bad attitude. I said, God, why am I not excited like the rest of them? And I tried reasoning with myself. I was like, you know, Lord, this is all new to them. I grew up in church. I grew up around Christian music. I grew up around Christians in, in a sense. Maybe I'm just so mature now that it doesn't excite me. I grew up, God, I grew up in a Christian household. I grew up knowing about you. And God spoke to my heart and he said, yes. But the God that your parents taught you about, I am not the same one. And I said, what, what does that mean? They taught me about Jesus. You're Jesus. You're the God of the Bible. I'm, not reading, I'm reading the same Bible. We're playing the same songs back and forth. He said, yes. But you have to find me for yourself. You can't go based upon your parents' religion. You can't go... You can't serve your parents, God. You've got to find me for yourself. 
And when he did that, a new life sprung up in me. And I, my eyes were open like it never were open before. And I saw God in a totally different light. Because when you get Jesus in your life, it becomes personal. That's why I tell people, they say, you know, I got my kids growing up. And we're, 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 make them read the Bible every day. And we got them in church every day. And such and such. I'm like, yes. But when they're old enough, you have to let them go. You have to let them go out on their own. They've got to discover Christ the same way you discovered Christ. In the miry clay. At the foot of the cross. Not saying that they have to go out and sin. We hope that they can make the right decision before they go into a deep pit of despair. But you can't save your children. All you can do is tell them about Christ. And that's all we can do for other men and women. Is invite them to the house of the Lord. Give them an encouraging word. Tell them that Jesus loves them. That's all we can do. And that's all that was done for me. It was presented to me. Jesus was shown to me. I had to take a hold of him. It is a question we all have to answer. Because one day we will all be standing before God and we will all have to give an account of whether or not we accepted God's grace through Jesus. Or if we rejected it. This includes all the celebrities and politicians and CEOs. This includes the gas station clerks, the neighbors, the cashiers. They will all have to answer why. Revelation 20 and 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. This question that Pilate asks. What will I then do with this Jesus, which is called Christ? You know what? It takes a different approach when it's asked to somebody who already believes. For a sinner, I give you Jesus. I presented. What are you going to do? Are you going to walk out that door back into sin? Or are you going to embrace him? But for a Christian, a believer, it's a different approach. And we got to look at how it's written. Because just because you have accepted Jesus in your life, that doesn't mean that this question has been answered. Pilate asks, what shall I do? And if you read it, he says, what shall I do then? T-H-E-N. Not T-H-A-N. E-N, which means before. What shall I do proceeding? Like I'm going to wake up, then go to the store. What shall I then do with Jesus? I have him. I have him in my sights. Pilate is saying. I have him right here next to me. What now? What should I do with him? As a Christian, now that you have Jesus, what are you going to do with him? Once he's delivered you from sin, once the blessings begin to flow, then what? As, as believers, we have been charged with the greatest task in humanity, in human history. They asked Billy Graham, Billy Graham, why don't you run for president? He said, why would I want to accept a demotion? He's saying, I'm a preacher. I'm God's spokesperson. Running for president would be a demotion. As a Christian, the Bible tells us that we are kings and priests. 
Well, you may not feel like it driving around in some hoopty car, working some low-wage job, and you got celebrities and big mogul techs and politicians that seem like they have all the power. But a Christian has much more power than any of them. A Christian has more authority on this earth than the President of the United States, more than the Prime Minister of England, more than any doctor or scientist. The Christian is a king and priest before God. The Bible says we have the ability to command angels. And he said unto them, there Mark 16 and 15, Go ye to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And it's called the Great Commission for a reason. And that is what we need to do with this Jesus. Now that we have him, now that we've given his, our lives to him, now that he's in us, we have to do something with him. And that's what separates the Christian from the church member. That's what separates a true believer from somebody who just confesses to be a believer. Having given Jesus your life, what will you do this year? Will you pray, read, witness more? Will you surrender that pet sin that you've been holding on to? Will you stop running from what God wants you to do for him? Will this year be the best year you've ever had as a Christian? Only you can answer that question. Only you can answer that question. Every one of us has a ministry. It's not just meant for pastors and licensed ministers. Every Christian has a ministry that they are in charge of. Your co-workers, your friends, your families. Those are the ones that God has put for you to try to reach. I remember an illustration, or it was an actual account. man of God was given, he was dealing with a, a young GI. And he was stationed, and he said, you know, sir... My last unit, I was there, and, you know, we, I, I got people out of the church, and whatever, brought them to the services home, got them out of the church, but here, I can't do it. No one wants to hear. They're all a bunch of rotten sinners. They just do everything. They curse. They just, they have no hope. They don't want nothing. But, you know, what do I do? And he was so despaired by it, and the man of God said, that's why God has you there. That's why God has you there to reach out to them. That's why we're in our jobs that we're at. I really don't believe a lot of random things. I really believe that God orchestrates a lot of things and then, you know, we fall into it. Praise God. But we have opportunities that are staring right at us in our face and we go about and we miss them. But this year we can do things differently. Even in our personal growth with God. Thing is, can you ever do enough soul winning? No, you'll never do enough soul winning. So don't beat yourself up if you don't get enough done. Because you will never do enough. Same with Bible reading. You can never do too much Bible reading. You can never pray too much. 
But are you at least doing it? That's what God is asking us. To do something. Do something more. One more chapter. One more minute of prayer. One more invite. Whatever it is. One more uh, offering. One more 50, give a 50 more cents of offering to his house. He just wants a little bit more. Because he's going to move and bless your life when you go above and beyond. What will you do with this Jesus? He's been presented to you. Will you take him with you? Will you show the whole world? Pilate sought to release Jesus, but instead he released Barabbas, who the Bible says was a murderer, a seditioner. And although it was God's plan for Jesus to die, Pilate had an opportunity to give his life to Jesus right then and there. He saw that Jesus was innocent. It said he marveled when Jesus did not answer him. He knew that there was something about this man that the religious envied and hated because of it. Many people are presented with Jesus right before them. And yet they choose to turn him over. They reject Jesus. They say they'll come to God's house, but they don't. They say that they want a better life, but they never take it. This morning, don't be like Pilate. Don't be like those who turned from Jesus and fled. Don't be like those lepers after they were cleansed, after Jesus healed them. Don't be like them. And continue walking down the road before turning around and giving him thanks. Only one did. The rest didn't. God is giving us an opportunity right now to accept his son in our life. God has given us an opportunity to renew our calling. To renew our ministry. To renew our fire for him. 2021 will not be like 2020. It's going to be better if we put God first. If we work harder for Him. He has given us an opportunity. His grace. We could, we could be dead right now. We could be gone. But God has given us another day. He woke us up this morning. Praise God. Praise God for waking us up. Question is, what will you do with this Jesus? This Jesus that I have preached about this morning, what are you going to do with him? What will you do with him? As we bow our heads and close our eyes in reverence to him. Father, I have preached what you've laid on my heart, and I thank you so much, Lord, for a new opportunity. Lord, we know we have not done enough. To include myself. And I pray though Lord. I pray. For a better year. Help strengthen us Lord God. Help remind us. Help us put off the distractions. Give us the blessings that we need. To sustain ourselves. So we can be effective for you Lord God. So we can be effective for you. 
Let us make the most out of our day. Let us find the quiet time to seek you in prayer, supplication, and Bible reading. Let's have a better year in you, Lord. Help us. Help us to achieve this, Lord God. It's on us, but we need your help, Lord. We can't do anything without your help and without your mercy, without your grace and your Holy Ghost. And Lord, we will give you all the glory and praise. Let's find a place to pray right now. Let's find a place to pray.